to the editor of the Daily Chronicle, 28th of May, 1897, from De Profundis, 1909, 14th Methuen edition. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Case of Warder Martin, Some Cruelties of Prison Life The Editor of the Daily Chronicle Sir, I learn with great regret through the columns of your paper that the warder Martin of Reading Prison has been dismissed by the prison commissioners for having given some sweet biscuits to a little hungry child. I saw the three children myself on the Monday preceding my release. They had just been convicted and were standing in a row in the central hall in their prison dress, carrying their sheets under their arms, previous to their being sent to the cells allotted to them. I happened to be passing along one of the galleries on my way to the reception room, where I was to have an interview with a friend. They were quite small children, the youngest, the one to whom the warder gave the biscuits, being a tiny little chap, for whom they had evidently been unable to find clothes small enough to fit. I had, of course, seen many children in prison during the two years during which I was myself confined. Wandsworth Prison, especially, contained always a large number of children. But the little child I saw on the afternoon of Monday the 17th at Reading was tinier than any one of them. I need not say how utterly distressed I was to see these children at Reading, for I knew the treatment in store for them. The cruelty that is practised by day and night on children in English prisons is incredible, except to those that have witnessed it and are aware of the brutality of the system. People nowadays do not understand what cruelty is. They regard it as a sort of terrible medieval passion, and connect it with the race of men like Eccelin de Romano and others, to whom the deliberate infliction of pain gave a real madness of pleasure. But men of the stamp of Eccelin are merely abnormal types of perverted individualism. Ordinary cruelty is simply stupidity. It is the entire want of imagination. It is the result in our days of stereotyped systems, of hard and fast rules, and of stupidity. Wherever there is centralization, there is stupidity. What is inhuman in modern life is officialism. Authority is as destructive to those who exercise it as it is to those on whom it is exercised. It is the prison board and the system that carries it out that is the primary source of the cruelty that is exercised on a child in prison. The people who uphold the system have excellent intentions. Those who carry it out are humane in intention also. Responsibility is shifted onto the disciplinary regulations. It is supposed that, because a thing is the rule, it is right. The present treatment of children is terrible, primarily from people not understanding the peculiar psychology of a child's nature. A child can understand a punishment inflicted by an individual, such as a parent or guardian, and bear it with a certain amount of acquiescence. What it cannot understand is a punishment inflicted by society. It cannot realise what society is, with 
grown people it is of course the reverse those of us who are either in prison or have been sent there can understand and do understand what that collective force called society means and whatever we may think of its methods or claims we can force ourselves to accept it punishment inflicted on us by an individual on the other hand is a thing that no grown person endures or is expected to endure the child consequently being taken away from its parents by people whom it has never seen and of whom it knows nothing and finding itself in a lonely and unfamiliar cell waited on by strange faces and ordered about and punished by the representatives of a system that it cannot understand becomes an immediate prey to the first and most prominent emotion produced by modern prison life the emotion of terror the terror of a child in prison is quite limitless i remember once at reading as i was going out to exercise seeing in the dimly lit cell right opposite my own a small boy two warders not unkindly men were talking to him with some sternness apparently or perhaps giving him some useful advice about his conduct one was in the cell with him the other was standing outside the child's face was like a white wedge of sheer terror there was in his eyes the terror of a hunted animal the next morning i heard him at breakfast time crying and calling to be let out his cry was for his parents from time to time i could hear the deep voice of the warder on duty telling him to keep quiet yet he was not even convicted of whatever little offence he had been charged with he was simply on remand that i knew by his wearing his own clothes which seemed neat enough he was however wearing prison socks and shoes this showed that he was a very poor boy whose own shoes if he had any were in a bad state justices and magistrates an entirely ignorant class as a rule often remand children for a week and then perhaps remit whatever sentence they are entitled to pass they call this not sending a child to prison it is of course a stupid view on their part to a little child whether he is in prison on remand or after conviction is not a subtlety of social position he can comprehend to him the horrible thing is to be there at all in the eyes of humanity it should be a horrible thing for him to be there at all this terror that seizes and dominates the child as it seizes the grown man also is of course intensified beyond power of expression by the solitary cellular system of our prisons every child is confined to itself twenty-three hours out of the twenty-four this is the appalling thing to shut up a child in a dimly lit cell for twenty-three hours out of the twenty-four is an example of the cruelty of stupidity if an individual parent or guardian did this to a child he would be severely punished the society for the prevention of cruelty to children would take the matter up at once there would be on all hands the utmost detestation of whomsoever had been guilty of such cruelty 
a heavy sentence would undoubtedly follow conviction but our own actual society does worse itself and to the child to be so treated by a strange abstract force of whose claims it has no cognizance is much worse than it would be to receive the same treatment from its father or mother or someone it knew the inhuman treatment of a child is always inhuman by whomsoever it is inflicted but inhuman treatment by society is to the child the more terrible because there is no appeal a parent or guardian can be moved and let out a child from the dark lonely room in which it is confined but a warder cannot most warders are very fond of children but the system prohibits them from rendering the child any assistance should they do so as warder martin did they are dismissed the second thing from which a child suffers in prison is hunger the food that is given to it consists of a piece of usually badly baked prison bread and a tin of water for breakfast at half-past seven at twelve o'clock it gets dinner composed of a tin of coarse indian meal stirred about and at half-past five it gets a piece of dry bread and a tin of water for its supper this diet in the case of a strong-grown man is always productive of illness of some kind chiefly of course diarrhoea with its attendant weakness in fact in a big prison astringent medicines are served out regularly by the warders as a matter of course in the case of a child the child is as a rule incapable of eating the food at all any one who knows anything about children knows how easily a child's digestion is upset by a fit of crying or trouble and mental distress of any kind a child who has been crying all day long and perhaps half the night in a lonely dimly lit cell and is preyed upon by terror simply cannot eat food of this coarse horrible kind in the case of the little child to whom warder martin gave the biscuits the child was crying with hunger on tuesday morning and utterly unable to eat the bread and water served to it for its breakfast martin went out after the breakfasts had been served and bought the few sweet biscuits for the child rather than see it starving it was a beautiful action on his part and was so recognised by the child who utterly unconscious of the regulation of the prison board told one of the senior warders how kind this junior warder had been to him the result was of course a report and a dismissal i know martin extremely well and i was under his charge for the last seven weeks of my imprisonment on his appointment at reading he had charge of gallery c in which i was confined so i saw him constantly i was struck by the singular kindness and humanity of the way in which he spoke to me and to the other prisoners kind words are much in prison and a pleasant good morning or good evening will make one as happy as one can be in a prison he was always gentle and considerate i happen to know another case in which he showed great kindness to one of the prisoners and i have no hesitation in mentioning it one of the most horrible things in prison is the badness of the sanitary arrangements 
no prisoner is allowed under any circumstances to leave his cell after half-past five p.m. If, consequently, he is suffering from diarrhoea, he has to use his cell as a latrine, and pass the night in a most fetid and unwholesome atmosphere. Some days before my release, Martin was going the rounds at half-past seven with one of the senior warders, for the purpose of collecting the oakum and tools of the prisoners. A man just convicted, and suffering from violent diarrhoea in consequence of the food, as is always the case, asked the senior warder to allow him to empty the slops in his cell, on account of the horrible odour of the cell and the possibility of illness again in the night. The senior warder refused absolutely. It was against the rules. The man had to pass the night in this dreadful condition. Martin, however, rather than see this wretched man in such a loathsome predicament, said he would empty the man's slops himself, and did so. A warder emptying a prisoner's slops is, of course, against the rules, but Martin did this act of kindness to the man out of the simple humanity of his nature, and the man was naturally most grateful. As regards the children, a great deal has been talked and written lately about the contaminating influence of prison on young children. What is said is quite true. A child is utterly contaminated by prison life. But the contaminating influence is not that of the prisoners. It is that of the whole prison system, of the governor, the chaplain, the warders, the lonely cell, the isolation, the revolting food, the rules of the prison commissioners, the mode of discipline, as it is termed, of the life. Every care is taken to isolate a child from the sight, even, of all prisoners over sixteen years of age. Children sit behind a curtain in chapel, and are sent to take exercise in small, sunless yards, sometimes a stone yard, sometimes a yard at the back of the mills, rather than that they should see the elder prisoners at exercise. But the one really humanising influence in prison is the influence of the prisoners, their cheerfulness under terrible circumstances, their sympathy for each other, their humility, their gentleness, their pleasant smiles of greeting when they meet each other, their complete acquiescence in their punishments, are all quite wonderful, and I myself learned many sound lessons from them. I am not proposing that the children should not sit behind a curtain in chapel, or that they should take exercise in a corner of the common yard. I am merely pointing out that the bad influence on children is not, and could never be, that of the prisoners, but is, and will always remain, that of the prison system itself. There is not a single man in Reading Jail that would not gladly have done the three children's punishment for them, when I saw them last it was on the Tuesday following their conviction. I was taking exercise at half-past eleven with about twelve other men, as the three children passed near us in charge of a warder from the damp, dreary stone-yard in which they had been at their exercise. I saw the greatest pity and sympathy in the eyes of my companions as they looked at them. Prisoners are, as a class, extremely kind and sympathetic to each other. Suffering, and the community of suffering, makes people kind. 
and day after day as i tramped the yard i used to feel with pleasure and comfort what carlyle calls somewhere the silent rhythmic charm of human companionship in this as in all other things philanthropists and people of that kind are astray it is not the prisoners who need reformation it is the prisons of course no child under fourteen years of age should be sent to prison at all it is an absurdity and like many absurdities of absolutely tragic results if however they are to be sent to prison during the daytime they should be in a workshop or schoolroom with a warder at night they should sleep in a dormitory with a night warder to look after them they should be allowed exercise for at least three hours a day the dark badly ventilated ill-smelling prison cells are dreadful for a child dreadful indeed for anyone one is always breathing bad air in prison the food given to children should consist of tea and bread and butter and soup prison soup is very good and wholesome a resolution of the house of commons could settle the treatment of children in half an hour i hope you will use your influence to have this done the way the children are treated at present is really an outrage on humanity and common sense it comes from stupidity let me draw attention now to another terrible thing that goes on in english prisons indeed in prisons all over the world where the system of silence and cellular confinement is practised i refer to the large number of men who become insane or weak-minded in prison in convict prisons this is of course quite common but in ordinary jails also such as that i was confined in it is to be found about three months ago i noticed amongst the prisoners who took exercise with me a young man who seemed to me to be silly or half-witted every prison of course has its half-witted clients who return again and again and may be said to live in the prison but this young man struck me as being more than usually half-witted on account of his silly grin and idiotic laughter to himself and the peculiar restlessness of his eternally twitching hands he was noticed by all the other prisoners on account of the strangeness of his conduct from time to time he did not appear at exercise which showed me that he was being punished by confinement to his cell finally i discovered that he was under observation and being watched night and day by warders when he did appear at exercise he always seemed hysterical and used to walk round crying or laughing at chapel he had to sit right under the observation of two warders who carefully watched him all the time sometimes he would bury his head in his hands an offence against the chapel regulations and his head would be immediately struck up by a warder so that he should keep his eyes fixed permanently in the direction of the communion table sometimes he would cry not making any disturbance but with tears streaming down his face and an hysterical throbbing in the throat sometimes he would grin idiot-like to himself and make faces he was on more than one occasion sent out of chapel to his cell and of course he was continually punished 
as the bench on which i used to sit in chapel was directly behind the bench at the end of which this unfortunate man was placed i had full opportunity of observing him i also saw him of course at exercise continually and i saw that he was becoming insane and was being treated as if he was shamming on saturday week last i was in my cell at about one o'clock occupied in cleaning and polishing the tins i had been using for dinner suddenly i was startled by the prison silence being broken by the most horrible and revolting shrieks or rather howls for at first i thought some animal like a bull or a cow was being unskilfully slaughtered outside the prison walls i soon realized however that the howls proceeded from the basement of the prison and i knew that some wretched man was being flogged i need not say how hideous and terrible it was for me and i began to wonder who it was who was being punished in this revolting manner suddenly it dawned upon me that they might be flogging this unfortunate lunatic my feelings on the subject need not be chronicled they have nothing to do with the question the next day sunday sixteenth i saw the poor fellow at exercise his weak ugly wretched face bloated by tears and hysteria almost beyond recognition he walked in the centre ring along with the old men the beggars and the lame people so that i was able to observe him the whole time it was my last sunday in prison a perfectly lovely day the finest day we had had the whole year and there in the beautiful sunlight walked this poor creature made once in the image of god grinning like an ape and making with his hands the most fantastic gestures as though he was playing in the air on some invisible stringed instrument or arranging and dealing counters in some curious game all the while these hysterical tears without which none of us ever saw him were making soiled runnels on his white swollen face the hideous and deliberate grace of his gestures made him like an antic he was a living grotesque the other prisoners all watched him and not one of them smiled everybody knew what had happened to him and that he was being driven insane was insane already after half an hour he was ordered in by the warder and i suppose punished at least he was not at exercise on monday though i think i caught sight of him at the corner of the stone yard walking in charge of a warder on the tuesday my last day in prison i saw him at exercise he was worse than before and again was sent in since then i know nothing of him but i found out from one of the prisoners who walked with me at exercise that he had had twenty-four lashes in the cook-house on saturday afternoon by order of the visiting justices on the report of the doctor the howls that had horrified us all were his this man is undoubtedly becoming insane prison doctors have no knowledge of mental disease of any kind they are as a class ignorant men the pathology of the mind is unknown to them when a man grows insane they treat him as shamming they have him punished again and again naturally the man becomes worse 
when ordinary punishments are exhausted the doctor reports the case to the justices the result is flogging of course the flogging is not done with a cat of nine tails it is what is called birching the instrument is a rod but the result on the wretched half-witted man may be imagined his number is or was a to eleven i also managed to find out his name it is prince something should be done at once for him he is a soldier and his sentence is one of court-martial the term is six months three have yet to run may i ask you to use your influence to have this case examined into and to see that the lunatic prisoner is properly treated no report by the medical commissioners is of any avail it is not to be trusted the medical inspectors do not seem to understand the difference between idiocy and lunacy between the entire absence of a function or organ and the diseases of a function or organ this man a to eleven will i have no doubt be able to tell his name the nature of his offence the day of the month the date of the beginning and expiration of his sentence and answer any ordinary simple question but that his mind is diseased admits of no doubt at present it is a horrible duel between himself and the doctor the doctor is fighting for a theory the man is fighting for his life i am anxious that the man should win but let the whole case be examined into by experts who understand brain disease and by people of humane feelings who have still some common sense and some pity there is no reason that the sentimentalist should be asked to interfere he always does harm the case is a special instance of the cruelty inseparable from a stupid system for the present governor of reading is a man of gentle and humane character greatly liked and respected by all the prisoners he was appointed in july last and though he cannot alter the rules of the prison system he has altered the spirit in which they used to be carried out under his predecessor he is very popular with the prisoners and with the warders indeed he has quite altered the whole tone of the prison life upon the other hand the system is of course beyond his reach as far as altering its rules is concerned i have no doubt that he sees daily much of what he knows to be unjust stupid and cruel but his hands are tied of course i have no knowledge of his real views of the case of a to eleven nor indeed of his views on our present system i merely judge him by the complete change he brought about in reading prison under his predecessor the system was carried out with the greatest harshness and stupidity i remain sir your obedient servant oscar wilde may twenty seven end of section